Welcome to Drunk Island Comics. Podcast 242. Lynn's here with Josh. With Josh. In Studio C. Yes. Which stands for... Comics? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) We just decided that. You just heard improv. Um, (laughs) On today's podcast, we are Tony Free. Out of his own will. I didn't kill him. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't call the cops. It's fine. Everything's fine. He's in Florida <laughs> and he's fine. <laughs> Don't <laughs> check on that. Um, I reviewed Misfits issue two. Yes. Got real personal there for a minute. So mm. sorry in advance. This, this In general, this kind of is more of a serious show than it normally is. A serious episode than yes. it normally is. We definitely get into uh, the topic of... Art and comics as a uh, tool for... Political commentary, social commentary, yep. and stuff like that. Um, so that was interesting. We we ended up talking about uh, the Comic Code Authority, yes. like back in the day, how that affected... Like a lot of comics history and... For sure. The, the, for sure. Uh, we're not experts. No. But we uh, played but, some on TV. Um. <laughs> we're not experts, but I watched a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> we did cover some news, though. We talked about uh, the Runaways uh, television series that's coming to Hulu and yep. uh, the next uh, Hanna-Barbera DC crossover, Snagglepuss. Yes. So uh, sit back, relax, grab a beer, wine, booze, coffee. I, I don't care if you don't want to drink, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, listen to Drunk on Comics podcast, episode 242, A Drunken Course... On social discourse. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Super ready? Super ready. I'm Super Bowl ready. Yeah. Yeah. So the Super Bowl happened the other day. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. I I couldn't believe it when Tom Brady just broke out that pogo stick for the last goal to win the game. What? Just hopped right over the uh I missed that part. Yeah, won the game. They're calling it Pogo Gate. Ah. (laughs) It's so funny when two nerds who know absolutely nothing about sports try to make fun of sports. Yeah. You were, yeah. you were, of course, referring to his last scandal, right? Yes. Deflate gate. Well, I'm sure it won't be his last. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that scandals now after Watergate, yeah. all scandals that pop up, no matter whether they're political or not, yeah. end in the word gate now? Yeah. Like, yeah. why? Why it is was that a just, thing? It was so extreme. Watergate? It was so extreme that our president... Uh, Shredded some papers. Shredded some papers and and covered up that these that he was affiliated. That's all it was too. It wasn't even. I don't. I don't think he actually had anything to do with it. it no, he was just, just covered it he up. Was, he was covering it up because he was affiliated with these yeah. people. Even though everybody knew he was affiliated right. with them, he still was trying to cover up right. stuff. And, and it, it was, was it was the Watergate scandal because yeah. it took place at the Watergate. Hotel. hotel, right? Yeah, that's all it was. So yeah. why now? Now we get shit like Deflate Gate and yeah. now Pogo Gate. 
Pogo gate. Yes. Although that is fun to say. It is. It's much better than Watergate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's hard to beat Deflate Gate. Yeah, but... I guess. I mean, yeah. it's hard to beat balls that are deflated. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. so so wah, wah, that was a bad wah. joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so this week we're getting a little bit more interesting with our we are we are because Tony's not here. Yes, so <laughs> we can get all intellectualized. And yes, stuff. Intell- yeah, I like how you slipped in a Tony. Yes, I feel like I need to <laughs> to make up for him not being here by making up some words. Yeah, no, Tony is very intellectual, but he doesn't like to get into some of the subjects we're going to be speaking about t- today. Just because they can be controversial, and we're going to attempt to remain as non-controversial as possible. I guess you'll have to wait until later in this podcast when we actually start talking about it. Right now, your brain's just going to be racked and like, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Are they going to talk about Lindsay's boobs final? No, we're not talking about my boobs today. Um, (laughs) Not not, not on air. No, no. If you want to talk about my boobs, uh, you know, shoot me a message. (laughs) (laughs) We're really just opening up a whole gateway to hell. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But uh, so Lynn's Lynn's here, of course, with Josh. Hello. Just us us two today as... Studio C? Yeah, because Derek's place is Studio B. If that even counts anymore. Uh, It... it does. Everybody has to stop giving Derek shit. He okay. is having a baby That's soon. True. I just saw him the other day at, yeah. at, at his work. Yes, his yeah. place of employment. He is, yeah. I'm sure, completely and 100% in the weeds. Yeah, he was He was literally on his way out to look at, like, I thought he said a nursing home at first. And now <laughs> I'm thinking it was a nursery. He might have said nursing home. <laughs> Could be. He's having a baby yeah. soon. Yeah, but it was, some, it was something to do with that. Like, it's like you're just ta- having that baby and putting it right into a nursing home, just cutting all the steps. Just cutting it all out of the middle, yeah. yes. Um, so, yeah, we're, uh, as, as we said in last week's podcast, Tony had his Florida fun time adventure this last week, and he's probably recovering from it right yeah. now. So we gave him the week off because... Um, drunk Tony is incoherent enough. Drunk and uh, recovering from a vacation, Tony. I don't know if that's his A game. Right. I don't exactly. think it is. <laughs> so, just us this week, Lindsay and Josh. That's our. I have no continuation. <laughs> that's it. Of that. That's just our entire. Lindsay and Josh. Like we're like we're nineteen seventies buddy buddy comedy, and you know, after the commercials or right before the commercials, they come yeah. back from the commercial break, and they're like. Lindsay and Josh. And then they go right back into the show. That's what that is. Right. Okay. Okay. I can get on board with that. Norman Lear spinoff show. It'd be really interesting, I think. Well, no, maybe. Interesting. It would be a show. (laughs) Oh, it's true. It's true. All right. So I'm going to start off before we get into any news or any sort of other serious discussion. Uh, I'm going to start off talking about a comic I read this week that I'm actually very excited about. And I might get a little misty because it touches my heart so deeply. You're going to get misty because it's talking about the misfits? That doesn't work at all. It sounded... It was terrible. Go to your room! (laughs) This is just the Lindsay show now. (laughs) (laughs) 
now 50% more funny. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay. <laughs> ah, okay. So, as everybody knows, anybody who listens to this podcast, or, strangers who meet me on the street know <laughs> that I love Jem. I talk about it all the time. I read all the comic books. They're great. They're some of the best things I've read by far in the last couple of years. So, offshooting from the main Gem comic book series is now The Misfits. Everybody mm. knows Misfits are the rival band of Gem and the Holograms. Everybody knows. Everybody that. knows. And if you don't, yes. now you do. I do now. Yes. So, um, in the main comic book, in the main Gem and the Holograms comic book, the Misfits are tr- constantly trying, well, Pizzazz, who is the lead of the Misfits, mm. more than most of the other band members, are trying to get um, the Gem and the Holograms, like, they're trying to bring them down. They've done a bunch of different things to, like, just knock them out of the game. They don't, they don't want to compete with these girls anymore. They don't like them. Uh, you know, the Misfits are kind of the bad girls. Gem and the Holograms are the good girls. So it's definitely that good versus evil type vibe. Right. Although in this comic book, uh, they definitely, Gem and in the Misfits comic book, they definitely get more into the characters and it becomes more than just a good versus evil so scenario. Is, this like, is their comic book series, the Misfits comic book series, is that like, are they anti-heroes sort of? Well, no. I would say... Kind of. It's more like they're giving heroes to the girls who may not find heroes in Gem and the Holograms. Okay. And I'll get into that when I really get into the review of this book. So, in Gem and the Holograms, the main series, the Misfits have lost their um, representation. Their production company, their label. That's the word I'm looking for. I I found it. Their label dropped them. Okay. So... Not only did Pizzazz not like Gem and the Holograms before, she really doesn't like them now because she blames them mm-hmm. for her losing, you know, the Misfits getting dropped from the label. And that coupled with Pizzazz's bad behavior mm-hmm. as the punk type lead singer of the group, they're having a really hard time finding another label to pick them up. Okay. So the mis the this is issue two that I'm reviewing. Issue one of the Misfits goes over um, the fact that they can't find anybody to, you know, represent them who's mm-hmm. willing to take them on, who's willing to risk their their uh, business or whatever on this band because of the shit that they've done and that right. they've, they've been through. Yeah. Um, and the first issue kind of goes over, you know, them facing that. And the create kind of the creation of the band and a little bit into Pizzazz's backstory. Her parents were terrible when they got divorced and she had to go in to figure out who was going to get custody of her. Neither of them showed up to the custody hearing. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's sad. It's terrible. So it gives you, definitely gives you insight into why these girls are the way they are. Yeah. And how they came together as a band. And at the end of the first issue, their agent comes to Pizzazz and essentially says I have something for you it's either you guys don't work ever again or we can do a reality tv show and at first she says hell no and all the girls say hell no 
But by the end of the first issue, they've decided to do it. It's the only way that they're going to stay current as a band. Or else they're just going to disappear. So they decide to do a reality TV show. So the next issue is the beginning of them getting ready to do the reality TV show. Okay. So I think this whole comic book series is just going to be... Kind of like a, like you're watching a reality TV show, right. except it'll give you more backstory. I really it. hope this doesn't become a thing with comics where like they actually start doing reality show comics. I mean, like of re- like the Kardashians get right. their own comic book. Oh, that would be horrible. Oh yeah, we don't like, need that. No, no, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> we already know way too much about the Kardashians. Yes. We really don't need somebody to draw them. Right. No. See, now you're putting ideas in people's heads. It's this sort of thinking that is dangerous, Joshua. (laughs) Especially in this day and age, yes. Um, So issue two is they all have to move into Pizzazz's house because for the reality TV show, they all have to live together. Yeah. It creates drama and stuff like this. And this comic book goes into Stormer. And Stormer is... Her and Pizzazz kind of formed the Misfits together, mm-hmm. and she she helps write the songs, and she's not the singer, but she'll sing on occasion, like her and Pizzazz will sing, and so she's a, she's a very essential part of the group. She also is a lesbian. She's dating, um, I can't remember her name now, one of the girls from Gem and the Holograms. Okay. Kimber. Ah. Okay, if I pulled it. <laughs> um, she's dating Kimber from yes. Gem and the Holograms, which kind of course... Kind of Romeo and Juliet yes, thing. Which, of course, the reality TV show people are like, oh, yes, give yes. me more of that, give me more of that. Yeah. She's also a, a big girl. She's mm. definitely what you would call plus-sized. Okay. I did a little air quotes there. Right. Um, so this comic kind of goes into her backstory a little bit and how... When she was little, she would get teased by the girls in school for being fat and all the shit that she got when she was in a band. Like, people would name call her on stage. They're doing, like, flashbacks to that Yeah, and, like, they show one where the Misfits are at a concert, doing a concert, and Mm -hmm. this guy from the audience yells, get that whale off the stage. Okay. And Pizzazz jumps off the stage and beats the shit out of him and gets arrested. Yeah. But also, yay for her, for protecting her friend. Sorry, you said Pizzazz is the lead singer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she's protecting her friend. Yeah. She beats the shit out of him. That's awesome. But then it also shows, like, after that happens, like, Stormer just gets hit with a bunch of, like, tweets and social media, you know, saying... Mm -hmm. You know, how disgusting she is. And just because she's fat. It's terrible. Fat shaming is one of the only acceptable forms of discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. That there still is. And I think it's terrible. But um, that's because as a girl who is on the bigger side and used to be much bigger, um, I don't think other people realize how... uh, And this may be true for guys, too. I don't know. I'm not a dude. But as a girl, it's like people feel the need to remind us that we don't look perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we don't already know. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I set out in the morning to get fat. It's not fun. Yeah, no, it sucks. (laughs) And And people bringing attention to it is just like, okay, great. Yes, I know. I look at my body every day in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I get to see it naked, which is worse. (laughs) And you people see it clothed, so... Um, no, I I think 
you know, as a guy who is plus-sized. Beefy. Yes, beefy. (laughs) See, that's the thing. We have some nicer terms for it. You guys do. You do, do, yeah. I'm fluffy. Yes. (laughs) Girls just get fat and plus-sized. Yeah. I, I, you know, I definitely, I I had horrible experiences growing up um, with getting teas in school and, and... that actually drove me out of school quite a bit. I got into fights and stuff like that. But, um, and and I'm kind of glad I did because I ended up figuring out how to stand up for myself and, right. and, the, and all that. But, um, in my experience, you definitely, I definitely see that it's more acceptable to be a man and be overweight right. than it is for women and it's bullshit. Yeah. It's total bullshit. Oh, it's, yeah. I completely it, agree. It's <laughs> like, it, it really is bullshit in general how we treat women. I feel like it's like, it's one of those issues of where you're a minority within a minority. Right. You know? And if you're and, if you're a woman of color, yeah. then you're a minority within a minority within a minority. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be even worse. It, right. It's like, it's like it's multiplied. Right. For every minority group you're in. Yeah. The, the discrimination and the prejudice right. is multiplied. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I totally agree. It's fucked up and it's great that they're addressing that. Right. And know? well, the, the, the nice thing about this com this issue in particular is they show her, um, meeting with the executives who are going to be running the reality TV show, mm-hmm. Stormer. They show Stormer meeting with them. And they talk about setting up her storyline, right? Yeah. Because, as we all know, reality TV shows aren't real. No. 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 They're unscripted. They're unscripted. It's unscripted television. Yeah. But they like to set up what's going to happen in this in this season mm-hmm. so that they have something that they can bring to the fans. Like, you don't want just a bunch of discombobulated episode like if you did a reality tv show of our life right now it would be so chaotic <laughs> nobody would know i don't know what's going on from day there, to day there is no narrative <laughs> so they're trying to figure what the narrative is for each one yeah. of these girls and of course they bring up the what they call the lesbian thing right right so that's yeah. a draw her dating kimber that's a draw and they also tell her well we also think another good storyline for you would be to like you know maybe try weight loss so that the girls at home can follow you on your journey and be inspired, which instantly pisses her off and she gets up and walks out of the room. And I don't blame her because that's not their choice. Right. And it's also like, okay, so you're showing a, another girl who's plus size trying to lose weight. How about showing another girl who's plus size who's like, I'm cool. Yeah. Plus, it's almost like, well, now you have a reason to. Yeah. As if you never did before. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She yeah. was just waiting for a reality TV show to <laughs> yeah. go on a diet. Yes. That's the, the, oh, man. If that yeah. would have only happened sooner in her life, right. she'd be totally skinny by yeah. now, right? Yeah. Um, so she decides she was not going to do the reality TV show. And that's kind of where the, the comic... It doesn't end there, but that's where the when she they decided not to do the reality show or do that. For she the didn't show. sign the contract. Okay. So when they start moving in, her mission at the beginning of the comic, and then when they come back to current time at the end of the comic, is to go tell Pizzazz that she's not going to be a part of this because okay. she doesn't agree with what these people want from her, and she's yeah. sick of of people like that being her thing. Mm-hmm. Like she's an amazing woman. Yeah. Why is that her thing? It right. should be. Yeah. And. So, at the end, through talking with Pizzazz, 
she decides that she is going to do the reality TV show and she's going to use her own narrative and she's not going to let them tell her what she's going to do mm-hmm. with her body yeah. or her life. And if they don't like it, they can fuck off. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it ended in a really super empowering note, you know, with her showing her going through all this shit just because of the size that she is. Literally yeah. has... N- your size has nothing to do with who you are as a person. I mean, it really doesn't. No, especially in today's day and age, like, I feel like we've never really had the issue with obesity that we do now, um, simply because of, uh, you know, so much crap in our food and so much sugar being pushed on us and stuff like that. And we're, for a long time, we have not had any awareness of that really. Right. And we're kind of getting around to that now, but, um, I, I feel like people are starting hopefully to understand. Right. That like, it's just depends on how you were raised and it really does. And depends on what you believe in when it comes to eating food. Right. Like if you actually realize you need to look at calories and stuff like right. that. A lot of people just don't or, understand that. Or also you know? like it's your body. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it just shouldn't matter. Yeah. You know, and some people have health issues yeah. that make it yeah. impossible for them to really right. so, you know, keep a lower weight too. Yeah, it's. Fat shaming is terrible. Yeah. I mean, I know we're at a point in our society right now where everyone's like, oh, I mean, you can't protect everybody from everything, and that's fine, but... You can be decent to You can be decent to each other, exactly. Yeah. There's just no reason to call... So, like, you wouldn't walk up to somebody who, you know, couldn't walk or was in a mm. wheelchair and just be like, oh, what's going on, yeah. wheels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. They're just lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So... What's, uh, <laughs> what's going on, wheels? <laughs> That's the most unimaginative I know. insult ever. I know, and I would hope that somebody in a wheelchair would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> if you can't come up with something better than that, you just move along. Uh, so ri- this is written by Kelly Thompson, who also does Gem okay. and the Holograms. Okay. Um, the art's by Jen Saint-Ange. Saint-Ange. That's an awesome name. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> as usual. And the covers are by it? Saint, it's S-T-O-N-G-E. Saint-Ange. It's probably like... Saint-Ange? Stonge. It's probably... That's what it is. It's Stonge. 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 Sorry, Stonge. And the colors are by Victoria Roboto. M. Victoria Roboto. There's an M dot victoria roboto so it's it's really great if you love gem if you're reading gem it's a total accompaniment to the comic book if you don't read gem and you're kind of like gem's too pink and bouncy and good for me Mm -hmm. like you know i'm the bad girl i don't really care what's going on with gem and the holograms and you were a misfits girl growing up or boy Right. Yeah. <laughs> then this you can totally get behind this, and you don't really need to have read Gem and the Holograms to it. It would help inform it better, but it kind of starts in its own way where you don't have to have read Gem and the Holograms prior to reading sure. this one to really understand what's going on because this is the start of their storyline, mm-hmm. you know, and their story. So you'll know what happened to them in the Gem books if you read before, but 
you, you know, I've said this a couple times. Yeah. You don't need to. Have. The, um, <laughs> I just keep saying the same thing over and gem, over and over again. The gem books must be getting pretty popular for them to be doing spinoffs. Too. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Gem and the Holograms has definitely been um, a really great comic book in general for girls, um, for fans of the 80s, yeah. for anybody who likes good writing and good art. Um, the... The original artist on the Gem and the Holograms is a was is a woman. She's transgendered. Okay. She's a transgendered woman. Um, so and when they first started writing Gem and the Holograms, <clears throat> they wouldn't allow her to put her name on it. She had to use her original name, her man name, yeah. she, her birth name, and uh, a couple issues in, they decided to let her be her. And, Go under the name that she wanted to go under. So yeah. it's been just a really good for so many different reasons. That's cool. So yeah, I've been enjoying it. And I know people are probably sick of hearing about it, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Maybe>. all. <laughs> fuck you. Read it or fuck you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So we got a little bit of news this week. Um... One of the things I wanted to talk about is the new TV show that's coming out from Hulu and Marvel. I don't know. Did you ever read The Runaways? No. No. I don't think I did. So The Runaways is a story um, written by Brian K. Vaughn. Everybody loves Brian K. Vaughn, right? He writes Saga. Yeah. He's writing Paper Girls. Um, The Runaways was a comic book series about a group of kids who found out that their parents were supervillains. So they all left and banded together after they found out that they inherited their parents' superpowers to become a group of heroes. That's interesting. Right? That's a great premise. Exactly. Well, it's Brian K. Vaughn. Well, yeah. He's yeah. a genius. That's a really... <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really great series, and they're doing a, a Hulu original series, and they've um, posted the castings uh, online so you can go and look at them. I'm not... I, you know, it's been a really long time since I've read The Runaways, so I'm not super well-informed on whether these castings are going to be good or not. They look good. Like, the people they've casted for, or the people they've casted for the parts, yeah. look like they would match the part that they're playing. Yeah. But they're all a bunch of young kids right. who I've never heard of before. So as to whether... That can always... Yes. That, that can totally be a great thing, too. It, well, yes. When, when it's, like, this new cast, because sometimes they find incredible people. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, if you guys want to know who they casted, you just have to hop online and look for it. I'm not going to read their names to you, because none of you will know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another... Is one of them actually listening to this podcast? It's like, <laughs> Uh, another thing I thought, uh, that was really cool that came up this week is, um, so DC has been doing this, uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they've been teaming up with Hanna-Barbera. Oh, yeah. To do comic versions of Hanna-Barbera cartoons. So they've done, like, the Flintstones, which is a really great comic book one of Tony's favorites. Do they do the Jetsons? I feel like I saw something about that. I don't think so. Okay. But they've done, they've, they're doing Future Quest, okay. which was uh, like a mashup of Johnny Quest and 
and like space ghosts and that I kind know. of stuff. Maybe this, maybe what I'm remembering was was Scooby Doo, but what was it set in like space or something like that? It was a it's Scooby Doo Apocalypse. Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. And then there's Flint's and there's Future Quest, which might take place in space. I haven't read that yeah. one. Um, the uh, Wacky Racers. They've been doing that one. Okay. Um, they're all very good. Well, Flintstones especially is very good. Yeah. Um, Jim Lee has been working on Scooby-Doo. I haven't had a chance to read that one, but it's Jim Lee. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they just announced that the next up on the list of of cartoons to be reimagined as comics is Snagglepuss. Really? You, You remember Snagglepuss. I I vaguely remember Snagglepuss. I just remember he was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like. Yes. He had a very, yes, that was his voice. Yeah. <laughs> so Snagglepuss is a pink mountain lion mm. who wears a collar. He looked a lot like um, the Pink Panther. Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. he did. Um, not the Pink Panther, though. Cause the pink he, pa- he is not the Pink Panther, no. no yeah. Because he's a mountain lion. Yes. And he's Snagglepuss. And he's Snagglepuss. Yes. And he was like, the, throughout the, and I, ha, I didn't watch too much Snagglepuss growing up. Yeah. It wasn't one of those cartoons that they showed on my Saturday morning cartoons. But I've seen them throughout the years. And I know he had a, a huge boner for like wanting to be a, an actor. Mm, like that, mm. was, that was his deal. Um, and then this comic book, they're reimagining him as a gay so I said gay really hard there. Like, gay? <laughs> it was a hard gay. <laughs> it was a hard gay. As a gay Southern Gothic playwright. So but he, that is cool, like, that they would be taking a Hanna-Barbera character and just, yeah, he's gay. gay. And might I add, yeah. okay, first of all, the only men I've ever seen wear collars and cuffs and yeah. no shirt are either male strippers or gay men in clubs. Right, so, which yes. one are you going to go with for a comic book that's kind of geared towards it's either, kids? It's either somebody <laughs> in Magic Mike yeah. or a guy that went to see Magic exactly. Mike. <laughs> 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 um, yes. Um, so, it's going to be written by... Um, his name is Mark Russell. He's the same guy who is doing the Flintstones. So, that gives me... Really high hopes for the, the what the story's going to be like. Yeah. And we uh, we got a sneak peek of the art, which it, looks yeah, really amazing. Really cool. It's very realistic. Yes. Okay. As realistic as Snagglepuss can be. Yeah. <laughs> it, lo- it looks like a pink mountain lion walking around right. and, and talking. And yes. And um, Huckleberry, Huckleberry, Huckleberry Hound, Hound yes, is going to be in it. Yeah. And um, uh, Mark Russell... Uh, in an interview that he did about the comic, said that he imagined Snagglepuss as like a Tennessee Williams type character. Yeah. And Huckleberry Hound is kind of like his uh, William Faulkner type. So they're going to play off each other. And it takes place in the 50s, and there's going to be all kinds of pop culture icons popping up, like Marlon Brando and Dorothy Parker coming in and out because they're in New York in the 1950s. Yeah. I'm actually thinking more Oscar Wilde than Tennessee Williams, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested to see how it goes, and I will definitely pick it up, and I think it's great that they're making him gay. I just, I mean, why not? 
I know. Yeah, so that voice would fit perfectly right. for that time period and that. Yeah, like it's I I can't imagine you could read that and not hear that oh, voice in your head I know. all the time. You told yeah. like for sure there's no way you can <laughs> <laughs> you use it and you know, you had mentioned that maybe not hearing it in that voice would take away from the comic and I, I don't know. think that that's going to be a problem at all. I like it how they're taking these comics that like it doesn't seem like they would be, you know, they're not mainstream. Right. Or you know, they're not superhero comics, but they're really putting in the time and effort on the artwork and the writing on a lot of, a lot of these different, like even gem too, you know, like where it's, um, they don't seem like they would get like back in the nineties. If they were trying to do stuff like this, oh. they would not get the kind of, um, time and effort. No. That, that they get now. Right. Which is really cool. And I think that um, that has a lot to do with the fact that companies like Image mm-hmm. have popped up in the uh, 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going forward. Great segue. I'm going to yes. pat myself on the back there. That was, <laughs> I did not see it coming. Um, Image, of course, being a publisher. Yes. I would, how long have they been around? 25 years. Really? This year. Oh my gosh. It's their 25th it's, birthday. It's this month, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, Image is celebrating their 25th anniversary, mm. uh, which is amazing. And they have done so much for the comic book industry. As yeah. a comic book fan, even if you don't read Image comic books, you have to be appreciative of what they've done for the comic book industry mm-hmm. because they've moved it forward so much. Yeah. Um, so Image, of course, if you don't know, uh, release it or produces creator owned content. So all the comic books that come out from Marvel, their characters and stories are owned by the artists. Whereas with Marvel and DC, uh, a lot of it, all of the characters yeah, are owned, owned by, by Marvel and DC. Yeah. They pay you, but you don't get the rights to the, like if you create a character for them, yeah. you don't get the rights to that you, character. I think the artists and writers, they probably get like a flat rate yeah. for writing each right. book. And right. And I know that's, that's or definitely like that. the way it used to be back in the day. Yeah. I don't know exactly how the pay scale works at Marvel and DC now. Yeah. Most people don't want to talk about it, which is totally right. legit. That's yeah. their income. So, yeah. and I'm sure it is. And a lot of those artists that end up working on their own books, like Jim Lee, you right. know, he, he had his, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but he had a book. Oh, yeah, he helped found Image. Well, yeah, Yeah. but I can't remember what book it was that he was working on. Off the top of my head. But um, he works for DC and I think Marvel, too. Well, he does DC mainly now. Yeah. Yeah, he's a... Or doesn't he actually work at DC now? That's what I just said. No, I mean, like, like he's like a chief something officer. Yes, yes, he is a big wig at DC. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Anyway... That's what I just said. <laughs> See, you can still fall off the rails even with Tony's gone. <laughs> That's true. But um, I was actually just, I was going to talk about this a little bit later. I'm, I watched this documentary series about um, the history of comics pretty recently. That was really good. And they mentioned that in, in how it came to be, um, how Image Comics came to be back in the 90s, how uh, there was a, it came out of all this dispute from like uh seth mcfarlane was a big one todd um, mcfarlane todd mcfarlane yeah <laughs> it's 
Seth MacFarlane's the Family Guy guy. Oh, God, yeah, that's, that's right. terrible. Yeah, I always get those two. <laughs> one's an awesome artist. One's a pretentious ass. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you decide which one's which. <laughs> yeah, actually, now that I think about it, you really could go either way with both of them. I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide. Um. Anyway, so Todd McFarlane, like, he was talking about how, you know, he, when he was doing Spider-Man, which everybody has loved, like, his, his Spider-Man artwork oh, yeah. from back then oh, yeah. is some well, of the best Spider-Man artwork ever produced. He introduced Black Suit Spider-Man, he introduced yeah. Venom. And he... And, the way he did webbing was just unlike anything anybody right. had seen where it wasn't this really awkward, silly looking cartoony stuff. Right. It actually looked like webbing. Right. You know, and they, I think they called it uh, spaghetti web. Oh. Yeah. It's all droopy and stuff and spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's all tangly and oh. it's everywhere. That's what it gotcha. I'm kind of going with. Okay. Um, but like a uh, bowl of spaghetti. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he was he was selling a ton of books for them, and but oh, they yeah. weren't increasing his pay or anything like that. And so he decided to go off and work on forming Image yes. with with some other artists. And yeah, it was just kind of fascinating. And that's when um, Spawn. He did Spawn. Yes, of course. And Spawn was one of the young blood. Yeah. Was another one that's from Rob Liefeld, who mm-hmm. obviously came from creating Deadpool. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then he helped start Image. Um, Jim Lee, of course. Uh, Mark Silvestri, Mark Silvestri is another one. Mm. Um, so they came together to create this this comic book company that allowed it gave artists a way to put their books out because self publishing, especially back then, was really hard. Yeah. Not like today, we're. Not saying that it's easy today, but you can put your comics up online. Yeah, if you want. There's, like uh, there's Ryan a... Brown, you know, did with uh, God Hates Astronauts. Oh, yep, for the first, yeah. the first one before he. Now he's through Image. Huge. Yeah. It came out through Image after yeah. that. So it it gave artists the opportunity back in a time and today still, um, where they can put out their properties and still retain ownership of them, but have a bigger reach. Mm-hmm. than just if they did a small publisher or, you know, self-published or did online comics. Yeah. And so now we have comic books like Saga mm-hmm. and The Walking Dead, which is one of their, their oh, yeah. biggest ones. Oh, yeah. I forgot um, And all of this, I, I don't think that the comics would have gotten to the point that they are in pop culture today without image yeah i mean people have always loved the superhero comics people will always love what's coming out of marvel and dc mm-hmm. i mean they they have up and they, down yeah they definitely they have, have up, up and, and down years but we all have ties to those characters because mm-hmm. they're from our childhood and if they keep putting out good stuff we'll keep reading them because you know we connect to those characters but comics like the walking dead you would yeah. have never gotten out of yeah. marvel or dc at all. I've had books, too, that I've read from Image where that, ha- like, as far as I've ever heard, never really, n- nobody else outside of probably comic book circles have really um, dug, like, that glory, glory, morning glories? Morning glories. That I read. I yeah. just got hooked on that right. when I first discovered that. Like, they, luckily they had a bunch of volumes out and I could start reading mm-hmm. all of them, but um, you, you, they, that's the thing about a lot of image books is you just get 
hooked. Well, um, yeah, they're they're great. They're it's giving an opportunity to yeah. to great writers and artists who don't want to follow the narrative that's given mm. to them by Marvel or DC. They don't want to write Thor. Yeah. They don't want to write Spider-Man. They have this idea in their head mm. and they want to get it out. And you don't have to deal with like this whole universe um, conti- right. continuity. That you make I your think, own. Yeah, that I yeah. think a lot of other um, writers have to with DC and Marvel. Exactly. Yeah. So, happy birthday, Image. You've changed our lives. By the way, they're doing 10 cents. 25 cents. 25 cents. Not 10 cents. That would make no sense for <laughs> But um, yeah, that's another horrible joke brought to you by Don't Gun Comics. Uh, yeah, twenty-five cent issues of what, I think it was Walking, Walking Dead, Dead, and I think a couple other books that they were doing this month. Yeah, so. I saw. I definitely saw the Walking Dead yeah. at the um, the comic book store. I, I believe they're just the issue first issues. Yeah. Of the comics that you can pick up, so they're re they're reissues. But yeah, I mean, if you haven't read these books yet, go Good pick them up. To, yeah. yeah. If you watch The Walking Dead and you've never read The Walking Dead, why not see where it all started for 25 cents? Yeah. There you go. Image-free commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The last little bit of news that I want to bring up was actually going to tie into, like, our broader topic that we're going to be talking about today because we're going to get real serious here. (laughs) Real serious. Um, So, unless you've been living under a rock... Lately, and if you are, I'm very proud of you. I haven't been able to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to. How do you get podcasts under there? <laughs> exactly. Where does your, your Does your rock have Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> All questions we want to know the answers to. Um, there's a lot of stuff going down in the United States of America, and with our and thus the world, and thus the world <laughs> with our government and the decisions that are being made. By the president and his cabinet. Whether you agree with them or not, we're not gonna. That's not what we're gonna discuss. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody has their own opinions on what's going on, and that's fine. You have the the right to however you feel about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna we're gonna use this topic as a jumping off point. Um, so last week, the administration signed an executive order. The president signed an executive order yeah. banning travel. From seven countries in the world um, for 90 days. Predominantly Muslim countries. Yes. Yes. And again, we're not saying how we feel about this and how you should feel about this. That's up to you. Right. But there are lots of comic book artists who have come out about this issue recently. One of them being Phil Noto, who um, does Ms. Marvel. The new Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. obviously, is Muslim, Kamala Khan. Yep. She was the very she was the first Muslim superhero in Marvel, I believe. I don't think there was if there were other Muslim characters, they didn't focus on them at all. Um, so his cover for his Civil War Two number zero uh, was a picture of Kamala Khan tearing up the picture, I believe, of Captain Marvel. So she was making a statement like, just because you used to be Miss Marvel and now I'm Miss Marvel doesn't mean I agree with what you're doing. Right. He's changed the image and has tweeted it out. It's a picture of Kamala Khan tearing up the picture of Donald Trump. Right, yeah. Clearly because he disagrees with the executive order. Mm-hmm. And he's putting it from the perspective that the character disagrees. Yes. Yeah. 
So I thought it would be a good thing to discuss how, whether you agree with Phil Noto or not, it's, I think we all have to agree how important it is that artists, because comic book writers and artists are artists, Yeah. how important it is um, that they use their art as a means of social discourse. Right. Right? To get their opinions out. Yeah. Art is very powerful. And, and, they, and they have a long history of doing this, Exactly. Too. So we're going to delve into this history. Yes. <laughs> going all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in the day, comic books, not a lot of social discourse in there. Right? I mean, a little bit. Right. Back in, like, back in the early days of, like, the Cold War, or not Cold War, um, World War II era, yes. Golden Age. So comic books became very popular about the time World War II was starting. Yeah. So they took heroes like Superman and, of course, Captain America mm. and made them heroes of the war yeah. in the eyes of America. So which, very which, often Superman would fight Hitler and yeah. Captain America definitely fought Hitler. That was like the big... I, th- I can't remember if it was the first issue of Captain America, but it was definitely a big issue was... Captain America punching Hitler. It's like yes. this really iconic um, front uh, cover. Right. Um, one thing uh, that's cool to point out is Jack Kirby and Joe uh, Simon um, were both Jewish Americans. Uh, they came up with Captain America as a way to urge Americans to get into the war. Right. Like that we weren't even in the war at that point, but they were... Um, getting To get behind it. Yeah, to get behind it, because right. they were nervous about what was going on over well, right. on the other side yes. of the world. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of the um, predominant people in the comic books industry yeah. in those early days were Jewish Americans. Yeah. Stanley. Stanley. Um, Last name's not really Lee, guys. Yeah. He put it on there so that he could sell more books. His his first name's Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's presumptuous, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, his uh, was it Leibowitz? His I, something name? like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, of course, once the war started winding down, and then you had. Um, you didn't have necessarily these characters fighting these evils that everybody could right. get behind anymore. That's when society started turning in another direction and viewing these comics as bad influences on right. the children that were reading them. I uh, So in that documentary I was watching, it was this PBS documentary called Superheroes. Um, it's three-part documentary. It's really great. It's worth taking a look at. It came out in 2013. It's on Netflix. Um, yep. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, it was on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. Oh, okay. But the, um, it's a great series to check out. But they were talking about how uh, a lot of the comic book's audience was actually soldiers during World yeah. War II. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they said one out of every four magazines sent over to the troops was a comic book. Right. So they really loved it. But then what they noticed was when the war was over and all these soldiers were coming back, um, soldiers still, they, they still wanted to read comic books, but they wanted it to be something more mature. Right. Something, because they were getting settled into their life and everything. So they, superhero comics 
all of a sudden start fading from popularity. We had, and you had horror yeah. comics and stuff and like yeah, that. Yeah, horror westerns, yep. um, romance. This was also when um, Archie mm. came out, like those teen sure. teen comics um, that just aren't superhero comics started coming out. Uh, so while they were also dealing with people giving them issues about the morality of the comic books, they were also facing the fact that there was not a lot of demand for superhero comics, right. too. Yes. Well, and that led to the book, The Seduction of the Innocent, that was yes. put out, that blamed comic books 100%. Like, comics will ruin your children. Yeah. And the man who wrote the book... Was it uh, Frederick Wor- Wortham? Wortham? Yeah. Uh, lied, Yeah. as it came out later, and said that... Um, a good portion of the kids in juvenile detention yeah. were directly influenced by comic books. Right. So then that ended up in all these uh, tri- the trials. Mm-hmm. To I can't remember the name of the trials now, but they interviewed all these creators and artists about comic books. They questioned the relationship of Batman and Robin. Yeah, I was actually going to say, I have this quote from him about that. Bruce Wayne is described as a socialite, and Dick Grayson is his ward. Batman is sometimes shown in a dressing gown. It is like a wish dream of two homosexuals living together. That's Frederick yeah. Wortham. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so, and and that, that went on, because of these trials and because of this book, yeah. the comic book industry created the Comics Code yeah. Authority, which is, was a self-regulated way for them to grade their books based on who yeah um who could read them there's a lot of things in there about not being able to show excessive violence right. and i remember um in them them talking about uh there's one issue of nick fury actually i think this was later too like in the 70s or something uh where he he was going to uh make it of to his romantic interests, and they just showed the phone off the hook. Yeah. And that was too suggestive. So yeah. they had to redraw it so that the phone was on the right. hook. So it's, so it's just this shot of a phone. Right. And, and stuff like that is just really it's cra- It was crazy. Yeah. And a lot of times when you leave regulation to the people who do it, they sometimes go overboard. But yeah. there was also ways that... Um, while the comics code was still in effect, that comic book creators were able to like get their message across without, you know, while still like so with the creation of the X Men, mm-hmm. which if you haven't figured it out yet, yeah, <laughs> mutants are supposed to be the it, the plight of the mutants is the plight of the Jewish people, right? Yeah. You have all these people who are genetically different than you. Yep. Everybody's against them. I mean. Why are people, in a world where you have the Fantastic Four mm-hmm. that people love, why do people hate the X-Men? Right. It's because they're genetically different. Yeah. The, Stan Lee said, um, the only point I was trying to make with, in the X-Men was that we shouldn't hate or fear people because they are different. Exactly. So, and... So, and so they become a stand-in over the years for not only 
people who feel different because they're a racial minority, but because, like, they're gay, too. Right. That's always been... Anytime there's a minority. Yeah. yeah. Any, any kind of minority ends up feeling a connection with right. X-Men quite right. a bit. Yeah. And, and it was obviously a product of his time, so it was very clearly whitewashed. There wasn't a whole lot of diversity in, no. in the X-Men. There was right. one lady in the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, see, like, Magneto... Jewish. He had mm-hmm. the, the tattoo on his arm and stuff like that. So they would work little to, to, even though it wasn't overt, you would still think about it. Yeah. You know, um, Wonder Woman. <laughs> I still think Wonder Woman's creation should be made into a movie because this entire like story is just completely ridiculous. Well, if DC me. does the movie, it's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so Wonder Woman's creator, William Moulton Marston. Which, um, I mean, come on, that name. I know, I know. He didn't go by that name. He went by Charles Moulton when he created it. Um, he was a psychologist. He was an inventor. He was an advocate for women in a time when there weren't advocates for women. Um, he created Wonder Woman <laughs> with the influence influence of his wife mm-hmm. and their... Live in girlfriend, I think she was. She, they had an open relationship or an yeah. ex- extended relationship. They were polyamorous in a time when that word was not a term. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so because of these two women in his life, he created Wonder Woman. And um, he thought it was really important that um, girls have a role model they could look up to who wasn't only beautiful... And nice and caring, but also strong. Right. And yeah. it, and this was pre, you know, the seventies when women were going when through the rights. Yeah, exactly. So an activist. He was yeah. doing this in a time when you know that wasn't an acceptable thing, but people got behind it because she was Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He was also championing, because he was a psychologist, he had all these ideas behind um, the concept of bondage yeah, and yeah. Um, the imagery in Wonder Woman, which was actually brought up in the trials and I think was a, a part of the seduction of the innocent yeah, as well. They were um, Wonder Woman was actually banned by the Catholic literacy. I'm not surprised. Group. She the very the Catholic often, Church banned Wonder Woman. She Wonder well, Woman. one of her main weapons it's not even really a weapon is yeah. her lasso of truth and yeah. there are very many Which, times where there's images of her wrapping men up in her yeah. whip yep to get them her to lasso. tell yeah. yeah which um he, the guy um i can't remember what you said his name was charles moulton yes he uh he claimed at least to have invented the the lie detector test the the Polygraph. See? Yeah. yeah. So intriguing. Yeah. Like, I want to see a movie about this He was really guy. big on that. Like, yeah. He, well, he was an inventor. Yeah. yeah. So. He was really big on, like, getting to truth. Like, right. He really was fascinated with that concept. Yes. And he thought, I mean, you think bondage, right? Mm. You think latex and whips and chains and stuff like that. But he thought, in a broader sense, that it was important to show this female character being able to have power... Yeah. Not only over men, but just over evil. I yeah. used air quotes right there. 
which for the most part in comic books was men. There were also villainess, villainesses, yeah, female villains. I would imagine, like, if you were creating a strong superhero, like strong female right. superhero, you would want you would, you would also want some yeah. strong and female there, villains. There were, yeah. there were. Um, obviously, there are many people who disagree with Wonder Woman being a feminist icon because. It is, he is kind of overt in what he's trying to say, but mm-hmm. I think he had a really good message and a really good reason to to create the the comic book, and um, I think he definitely was pushing that message through the comic book. Yeah, you flash forward into the seventies where you have all the feminist zines mm-hmm. and all the feminist comic book writers and artists who are championing women's rights, and then you get into the eighties, right, with the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. If there's not, I cannot think of a comic that is more, like, if you think about comics used for social discourse yeah, and and uh, artist or writer coming up against things they disagree with, mm-hmm. The Watchmen is the first comic book that pops into my head because it is very clearly a comic against the administration of the time, which is, was Reagan. Yeah. And... It's about how, and it's also deconstructing superheroes, Mm -hmm. right? That was his other purpose, as he was trying to to knock down the comic book industry that he was working for. Mm -hmm. He's a a complicated man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But, you know, Alan Moore has come out and said, 100%, this this was not an anti-government comic book it was an anti-reagan comic book like he wanted to he wanted people to feel like um yes this is your government doesn't mean you need to be complacent yeah to it if you don't agree with what they're doing you definitely need to stand up and and do your part Mm -hmm. who's watching the watchman the government watches over us who's watching over them yeah it's 100 what his his message in that comic book was when I, when I first saw the Watchmen because I didn't like I saw the movie before I ever read the book. Um, I totally didn't get all of that. It's a great movie, right? And, everything, and I really dug it, but I didn't really, you know, I knew that the, it was political in that. It, I think it was the eighties, and Reg or um, Nixon was still in power. Like, he had just... Right. He had gotten rid of term limits, and he just stayed yeah. in power. Because because um, of the the aid of the superheroes. Yeah. Right? We yeah. won Vietnam. Yep. And everybody ignored Watergate. Yeah. And, well, the... um And what I was thinking about, too, is the, the comedian, he has this line in there about uh, how he hasn't had this much fun since Woodward and Bernstein... Which were the reporters that un- uh, uncovered Watergate? So it's kind of like a hint that he had killed them, right? You know, but the comedian in that uh, basically was his way of symbolizing American foreign policy, right? You know that he went over and wrecked yeah, shit. Yeah, it was the, it was the the comedian's joke. It right. was the joke of the comedian was that this is what you think this this is what we actually are right is is what he was saying is is, it's all just a joke because 
all we're trying to do is just wreck stuff. Right. Yeah. Instead of and, and, making the world a better place. Yeah. Right. Like we say we're trying to right. do. Right. That was his, that was uh, Moore's. Yeah, Alan uh, Moore. Yeah. Perspective on America. Yeah. Which, it was really well done. It was, yes. It was a really great book. Yeah. And, and a great movie. Well, and we all, around the same time, we also had Frank Miller. Yeah. Right, coming out Knight. with The Dark Knight. And that was definitely a uh, dialogue on police states and, yeah. and stuff like that. So, the 90s, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> a little bit of a downtime in comic right. books. There was, I'm sure, there's, I mean, there's always artists trying to get their message out about their beliefs mm. and stuff. And I am sure, had I done in-depth research about the topic, I could have found many examples in the 90s of when uh, comics were used to, to push a viewpoint of the artist. I can't think of any yeah. off the top of my head. But, again, the 90s was a little bit of a... I mean, obviously, Image came out. I think they were more concerned with themselves as a industry, mm-hmm. which is not a bad thing because they were at the point of failure yeah. in the 90s. Um, but that's not to say that there weren't artists out there getting their point across. Obviously, with Image starting and the release of creator-controlled and owned content, mm-hmm. it gave them more of an opportunity to put out messages that maybe Marvel or DC would not, would not have gotten behind. Yeah. In the 90s, a lot of comic book houses were just trying to get people to read yes, at all. That's what I'm like, saying. That's, they why were... that's why there's the death of Superman in right. the 90s, you know? Right. Um, I, I, there's a couple things I wanted to yes. call out while we're talking about this is uh, from that documentary, they were talking about this Green Arrow and Green Lantern crossover that they did. Um, I think it was, this was back in the 60s. Uh, it was really fascinating. There's this part where Green Lantern gets confronted by this African-American man, this older African-American man. He goes, I've been reading about you, how you work for the Blueskins, and how you and how on a planet someplace you helped out the Orange Skins, and you've done considerable for the Purple Skins. Only they're skins you never bothered with, the Black Skins. I want to know, how come? Answer me that, Mr. Green Lantern. And Green Lantern replies, I can't. Oh, you know, and it's that's heartbreaking. It really is, and they did this amazing job with it's this. So where, powerful, just yeah. even just hearing it. I bet you the imagery was just as good. Yeah, behind and, it, and and it it was, and you know, it turns into this um, civil war t- style thing of Green Lantern versus Green Arrow um, story. But then at the end, once they've the the two have resolved. Uh, their differences. They go on a road trip across America. Yeah, which sounds <laughs> kind of a little great. Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't sound great. But there was this one part in there that I really liked, where um, uh, Green Arrow is talking about. Um, he's talking about how because uh, uh, JFK had been killed not that long before this, um, and Martin Luther King, or not JFK, uh, Robert Kennedy was killed not long before this, and um, Martin Luther King was killed not long before this. They died very, they were both killed uh, around the same time. He goes, um, Green Arrow says, on the streets of Memphis, a good black man died, and in Los Angeles, a good white man fell. Something is wrong. Something is killing us all. Some hideous moral cancer is rotting our very souls. You know, yeah. it's, there's. And, and it's, they can't fight it. And Yeah, yeah. 
Not with their powers. No, yeah. it's it's a problem with the minds of right. people right. Of, of having to uh, be changed. Right. And it was just fascinating to me. Like this was, you know, like I said, this was in the '60s. This was when everybody was having trouble, just kind of coming to terms with all these leaders dying, being right. killed. Um, and comic books stepped up to say something about it. Right. You know, it's a reflection of what's going on in our society. It's not necessarily something that's going to change minds, although it has the potential to. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's something that kind of marks the time right. and the era. And that's we were, one and thing. thoughts that were going through our minds. That's definitely one thing that I think comic books have over... Maybe any media, including television and movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, television and movies follow the times as well and are yeah. snapshots of a period of time. But when you have, because comic books are so serialized, mm-hmm. like you literally, if they stopped renumbering them all the time, yeah. you could literally <laughs> be like, it could be one continuous storyline yeah. from when it started to now. Yeah. And it ties them all together. And, mm-hmm. and it's the evolution of the characters through Mm -hmm. time and more than any other medium out there available to us. I think comic books have a better ability to give us those snapshots. Yeah. With the, you can see where characters were in the forties in the fifties in the sixties in the seventies in the eighties in the nineties and now yeah, and how they've changed and how they've evolved throughout the years and the different struggles that they have to face. Mm -hmm. Right. Even with, even with Marvel with civil war, the first civil war started because a group of heroes decided to attack a group of villains that weren't being villains anymore. Yep. And they blew up a school and children died. Yeah, like some amateur heroes. Yeah. They were shooting on a reality, reality show. TV show. Fucking reality TV, man. The bane of our existence. <laughs> Even in the comic book yes. universe. Yes. And yeah. so Civil War Two, completely different subject. Yeah. So. Which, which, by the way, Civil War... Um, was directly that whole story, like the whole reason for them coming out with that story was directly influenced by 9-11 and everything that was going on in our society post 9-11. People needing to, uh, uh, register. Register. Yes. The the whole issue with it was superheroes registering. Um, and, it's an issue of privacy and everything. It was all this stuff that we were talking about immediately yeah. after nine eleven that was really important. And they they did a really and they it. did a really great job too of both sides. Like of they balancing didn't, it. They yeah. didn't just cover like Captain America is against it because mm-hmm. of it's against and they did basic human rights. And they did a great job of it too because like if you heard the like when I first heard the idea of the story. I was like, oh, well, obviously Captain America is going to be on the side of the system and right. the government. And totally Iron Man's going to be against it. And they flipped it. It was brilliant. And I don't, I don't know that if they would have gone the obvious way yeah. where Captain America was like, yes, we have to follow the rules of the government. And yeah. Tony Stark was like, fuck that shit. Yeah. Uh, if it <laughs> as he tends to do. Yes. Yeah. If it would have been as uh, good. Yeah. You know? it, was, it was really interesting seeing their passions go the opposite direction. Exactly, because they had to give Captain America a viable reason to be against this. Yeah. Because people thought would think that he would be for it. And they had mm-hmm. to give Tony Stark a viable reason to be for it because most people would think yeah. he would be against it. Yeah. So it definitely... And, like, even today, obviously we have Phil Noto tweeting his, his redone cover 
right? Yep. But we have other artists who are coming out on Instagram and Twitter um, using their art as a message. And one of the things they're doing now, um, there's a couple different artists who have posted Instagrams with messages saying, you know, if you donate money to the ACLU and send me the receipt, I will send you original art. Yeah. And like, like, it sounded like it was like quick drawings. Yes. Like, I'll just, I'll draw right. this and mail it out yeah. to you. Yeah. And, you know, you're not giving them the money. You're not paying for a, a commission. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to um, push their, not push their opinions, because that sounds yeah. terrible. But they're, they're trying to use their talents yes. to, to, um, to further their cause. Yeah. Which is good. Cause. Yeah. So that was. I think that that's the end. So unless you have any more uh, um, social discourse. Uh, I Well, one thing, um, since we, we started talking, we, the whole reason why we got onto this was the Comic Code Authority. Yes. Do you know how it died? I did at one point in time, and I'm sure I've read it, but I don't. It's really kind of fascinating. It points out the hypocrisy of it. Um, so... DC had this green arrow, green arrow issue where Speedy, the sidekick, mm-hmm. um, got hooked on drugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's this right. it's, again another message about you know social discourse. Yeah, how, like, using yeah. comics to because he gets pretty rough in that comic. Too, yeah, from what yeah. I understand. And um, at the same around the same time, uh, Spider Man, at the request of the Department of Health Education or something like that in Washington. Um, they, they requested Stan Lee do, because Spider-Man was so popular, have Spider-Man do an anti-drug issue. Right. You know, and Stan Lee being Stan Lee, he's like, <laughs> all right, well, kids don't want to just be told, you know, what to do. Right. You know, he, he figured out another way to do it. And they did this whole story about this kid who was high on something. I don't think they ever said what. But he thought he could fly, and so he was about to jump off. Uh, that's of the roof. acid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Clearly, he was high on the Mary Jane. <laughs> and so Spider-Man swings in, saves him, and everything. And he he does this um, uh, little spiel about like how do you get kids to stop doing drugs and stuff like that. Um, anyway, the Code Authority said. Uh, you couldn't do it, you know. You can't have drug storylines. Yeah. You, you can't, can't even mention drugs them. In it. Yeah. So um, Stan Lee just was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out anyway, and I'm not going to put the seal of approval on it. Right. And nothing happened. No. Nothing happened. No. People, uh, teachers, parents, everybody loved that book, um, and everybody supported it. Right. That they That they did that. Um, so they rewrote the comic code in response to that. They rewrote it to the point where it was toothless. It was completely like there's yeah. n- nothing they could ever do against right. comic books. So like the seals didn't go away immediately, but after not a while, until the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. But, but there was no right. actual. Some like, of those rules were like you couldn't use the word zombie. Oh really? And, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah, I remember them showing that like yeah. you couldn't draw zombies right. either. And there was some stuff when they were showing in that documentary. Uh, there was some stuff like beheadings and stuff right. like that, where it was like, okay, it's excessive. Right. We shouldn't censor. 
No. Like, Art should never be censored. No, but like you can do rating systems exactly. and stuff like that. And that's and what Marvel Marvel moved to its own rating system. Yeah. So you see, you know, rated for youth, rated for teens, mm-hmm. mature M for mature. Yeah. Uh, much like video games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's Which, important, if especially yeah. if you're not the type of parent who reads comic books, but you still are good with your kids reading mm-hmm. comic books, it's important to know what you're getting your kids into before yeah. you give it to them. You know, you don't want to necessarily, um, even though Saga looks beautiful on the cover, full of boobs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lots of sex. <laughs> yeah, and so, lots of dirty language. Yes, so yeah. maybe, you know, not get that for a little 12-year-old Johnny. Right. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> and so it's important that... Parents have a way to identify, especially non-readers, yeah. of identifying what's well, cool. g- good for their children. But, you know, also maybe read comic books because they're yeah. amazing. Well, that's the nice thing about comic books, too, is it's pretty easy to flip through it and see what it, what what's in it right. before you buy it. You right, know? exactly. Um, one thing, though, I kept thinking about when, we were talk- when I was looking into the comic authority, uh, I just kind of kept going back to after um, Columbine happened the shooting in Colorado um when I was going into my freshman year of high school it was right before that they um well now you just gave everyone away your age yes except not because he had a weird education oh shut up just because because I had the benefit of some homeschooling yes just because you eat cereal with a fork (laughs) (laughs) it's not all homeschoolers it's just me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> the, uh, I, like, after Columbine, there was, uh, this whole thing about because those kids were into the Matrix and they were into certain, like, Grand Theft Auto, I think. And listen to Marilyn Mar- Manson. Marilyn Manson, like, they all became targets. Yeah. Like, Marilyn Manson, the, the, the Matrix movies, and, uh, because they wore Auto, trench coats. Yeah, like that was a big thing. Yeah. Was they wore trench coats and they had I think they had gone to see the Matrix. Oh my god. Like, it's so it's like it's using using art as a yeah. way for parents to negate the blame mm-hmm. that they feel for when their kids do something bad. And yeah. I mean are some people influenced by art negatively? Yes. Probably. Yeah. But there's also be. something wrong with that yeah, probably. If they're doing that if they're doing that it wouldn't have to be that art they would probably do it no matter right. what the art you know art is supposed to be like it, like we said a couple times it's a reflection of what's going on exactly. in the world it doesn't really derive people's no um, actions. Right. A lot of people had issues with Batman after the um, Aurora shooting because of the, you know the, oh, guy, yeah. the guy that everybody was calling the Joker. He had no idea what theater he was going into. Right. He didn't know it was the Batman that he right. was going into. He you know it was something that and nobody really talked about that part. Right. That came became it was clear. just it was Batman. Yeah. Right. He was he thought he was the Joker and because it had, he had red really. Like, dyed red hair. It was the third Batman movie, too, right? Of course, when Bane Bane was taking over the city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... So It it seems like this is a cyclical... Cyclical? Cyclical. 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 That's a Tony word. (laughs) We're both getting them in there. Yep, yep. He's here in spirit. (laughs) It's a cyclical thing where, where 
when bad stuff happens, they you, you know all this stuff gets blamed on stuff that really has nothing to do with it. Right. You know. Yes, it's just you know it's art. Love it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't agree with, if a comic book is making a strong message about something, yeah. you have to take it at what it is. It's the opinion of the artists who are working on it, and it's yep. art. And art has always been used to, uh, as a strong way. To put out opinions of yep. the people who are making that art. Yep. And it's a great source for people who maybe want to educate themselves about... Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you can read history books and stuff, but by following this medium throughout the years, I think you get a better picture of of the way people felt. Yeah. Instead of just reading the facts, you get the feelings from the time period and what mm-hmm. was going on, more so than you would by just reading about what happened during that time. So, um, again, it's super important today as it was 50, 75 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, everybody be on the lookout for some really interesting (laughs) stuff to come out here in the near future. I don't know why, but I think that there's probably going to be a lot of artists making statements about the state of our politics right now. I'm not sure why. Probably. (laughs) But I think it's probably going to happen. So That's true. Yes. The um, One other thing I was going to bring up before we do booze in a book, I uh, this last week, in preparation for this, we're kind of getting short on time, so I'm probably not going to get too deep into it. But I read uh, the March Trilogy, which is three graphic novels, uh, hence a trilogy. Um written by John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, uh, who is one of the last people alive who was speak, who spoke at one of, if not the last person alive, who spoke the day that like Martin Luther King had the Million Man March in, in Washington, right. D.C. Yep. Like, he's he was there, he marched with uh, um, Martin Luther King Jr. He was, this is, in the whole... Uh, oh my god, I'm having such a hard time talking. I know, we've now. been so super informative this whole time. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this about us, but we like to drink. And being factual and drinking at the same time is harder than it's you think. It's really, really <laughs> hard not to slur. Um, okay, so anyway, this whole, this whole trilogy is the story of the civil rights movement from his perspective. Right. It's very good. The artwork is beautiful. It's all black and white. Um, really well shaded and everything. Um, so it kind of has that feel of watching it through an old TV. Okay. Um, but it, it, what's great is like, you know, I've never really looked into what happened in the civil rights movement. I know like the broad strokes of right. Rosa Parks. Yeah. And, you know and, what they teach you yeah. in history class. Yeah. Rosa Parks, the sit-ins um, that they did, the Selma... Um, Alabama uh, walking across the the bridge march um, for voting rights and stuff like that. Uh, I knew all that stuff from between history class and movies, uh, but this fills in a lot of gaps that that is really was really fascinating to me with like how they prepared for the sit-ins, how they prepared for um, these protests of nonviolence where they actually like were beating each other up, not beating each other up, but they were, they would take turns harassing each other 
Like one would be the oh, protester, to like the strengthen other one themselves be, yeah. against it. Yeah, so that like they would be hitting each other. They would be like um, putting wow. their cigarettes out. Yeah, on each they're other's training. Eyeglasses. They're training like superheroes. Yeah, they're training they were, like they were superheroes. Training, like superheroes. Yeah, yeah. So they were. It was all about getting themselves, making sure that in the moment when they are there being harassed by by people, um, they wouldn't lash out. Right. You know. Um, and it was really, and that was a tough thing for them to do. Oh, too. I bet. Yeah, it was tough for them. It to sounds do that. terrible. Yeah, but there was a lot of stuff, um, meetings that happened that you know probably weren't in the news and stuff like that, like behind the scenes stuff that was going on. It was really great. You know, this is Black History Month. This, if you feel like um, picking up on some history that you might not have known, this might be a really good resource yes, to learn about. For sure. Um, it so, won a National Book Award. Yeah, it won the National Book Award. Yeah, which is an amazing. It's the first yeah. graphic novel ever to do it. And I'm super happy that this is the the how they chose to tell this story. Yeah. Because, it, like we said, it is more impactful, I and, think. And they actually have in here, um, I'm not going to be able to find it right now, because... Because you're way, under pressure. That would be way under too convenient. Pressure. But there is, there's this comic book they actually put out um, back in the 50s. I think it was. I think it was from ni- the 1950s. Uh, Martin Luther King and the Montgomery Story. is this 10 cent comic book. They put out 16 pages where it explains nonviolent uh, protests and they explained the civil rights movement okay. to people. And they did it through a comic right. book back then. You know? Comics, they, man. Yeah. They're fucking amazing. Yeah, it was great. So anyway, <laughs> yep, that was a great, it's a Pick great it read. Great artwork. Awesome. Well, now that the seriousness is over, yes. and we've gotten that out of our systems, as if we're some sort of educational podcast. Yes. Um, I have booze in a book. Hey! <laughs> booze in a book this week. Planet of the Apes, Green Lantern number one. Oh. That, I mean, can you take that seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Hal Jordan meets Planet of the Apes. Oh my god. Um, I'm not going to go too much into the storyline, but uh, it definitely, it. so it's Green Lantern Corps coming to the Planet of the Apes. Oh, it's the Green Lantern Corps? Yes, and Hal Jordan. And it's, Hal Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Hal Jordan doesn't exist as a solitary figure anymore. He's definitely, yeah. like, the Corps has become... Very important into the Green Lantern storyline, okay. especially in these crossovers, because the way they build these crossovers is somebody finds a ring, right? Yeah. That's yeah. how they built. They've had done so. They did a Star Trek Green yeah. Lantern crossover. Okay, there. It's probably one of the easiest DC series to do a crossover with because it exists in space. Yeah, yeah. and because of the multiverse. Right, and because Green Lanterns exist everywhere. Yeah, in every it, universe. It's really some iteration yeah. of them it's really easy to somebody for somebody to just find a ring yeah a green lantern ring which right. then ties in the green lanterns that would be awesome a green lantern ape well yeah you know there's all kinds of green lanterns from all kind they're not all humans yeah there's each no I, yeah. I know i'm just like <laughs> a planet of the apes ape being a green lantern would be amazing so this this stars cornelius of course oh yeah right? yeah um, and he discovers an ancient ring when he's looking for uh, someone who goes missing. Mm. And as he finds it, the power echoes through the universe, which draws in the Green Lanterns. So okay. 
this is definitely just set up for the whole rest of the series. Um, I don't know about you, but I love the Planet of the Apes. I, I do. I think it's a great series. The old ones. Charles and Hester. Oh ones. my gosh, yeah. they're so good. And just the, the, the Planet of the Apes is Earth? Oh my God, mm. like that whole thing. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. So tying those things together, I wonder if it's going to kind of be that same thing where, you know. How Jordan realizes it's Earth. Right, like how does this work? Is <laughs> yeah. he crossing, you know, all kinds of questions. But I am pairing this with, a kiwi caproska. Caproska. Yes. It sounds Russian because there's vodka in it. Uh, <laughs> why kiwi? Um, well, kiwi, green, right? Yeah. Also fuzzy. Ah. Brown and fuzzy on the outside, green on the inside. That is the perfect drink to pair with that. Much, bread. much like a an ape. Having a Green Lantern ring. Yes. Right? Um, but it also, this is delicious. Um, <laughs> so to make this drink, you need kiwi, mint, and sugar, and lime juice that you muddle into a glass. You throw in some vodka. You throw in some tonic. Equal. Equal amount. So however much vodka you put in it, put that much tonic water into it, too. Okay. I'm not saying how big of a glass you have to make. Just try and even it out. It's up to you. Uh, and there you go. Drink it. That sounds That's it. awesome. It does. It is awesome. But also now, every time I drink it, I'm going to think of Planet of the Apes and Green Lantern. Right? <laughs> <laughs> every time I ever look at a kiwi, I'm going to. I've just tied it together for the whole world. Yes. That's what we do on Drunken Comics. We making, inform people. <laughs> making the world a better place one drink at a time. Oh, I love it. That's our new tagline. Yes. Um, so I think that's, that's it for us this yeah. week. So Tony, uh, normally goes out on a quote. Yes. Um, I actually have one that I really like. This is from Mark Wade, who, um, uh, is a writer, comic book writer, and he was actually C chief creative officer for Boom Studios for a few years. Yes. Um, and he said this and it's really great. Uh, he goes, everyone knows these characters talking about superheroes and stuff like that. Um, from Timbuktu to Taiwan. And I think what they know about them at heart is that the power of superheroes is doing the right thing for the right reason and being willing to put yourself on the line to help other people. Aw, that's yeah. perfect for this podcast. Yeah. Stay thirsty for a less informative podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>